Hey there! Are you a crime scene investigator, law enforcement officer, or forensic scientist looking for a Facebook community that understands you? Check out Taction USA's forensic product groups. You'll find blogs, articles, information, and community. For those of us in the investigative field, there are not many lines of support out there, but Taction USA is a company that was founded by law enforcement for law enforcement. Subscribe today to get access to exclusive content. Just look for Taction USA in Facebook groups. True Crime Podcast. As always, I'm Hillary, and I'm joined by... Brendan. And today, we will bring you part two of the murders at Taliesin. Now, to backtrack a little bit, Frank Lloyd Wright, the famous architect, mm-hmm. uh, took up a mistress ah. and decided to build her a huge home on his family's estate called mm-hmm. Taliesin. Yes. The home is called that mm-hmm. not the estate <laughs> no, the estate was nameless like a bastard child <laughs> fitting mm-hmm. anyhow <laughs> um, when we left off last time there had been a terrible fire that had gone through the home and seven people were dead however their deaths were not caused by the fire mm-hmm. and that is what we will get into today yes so before we uh burn it down mm-hmm. In addition to Frank Lloyd Wright and Mama, or Martha, Borthwick, a few of Wright's draftsmen also lived at the estate, along with Borthwick's children, who occasionally visited. Among the employees were Emile Brodell, Thomas Brunker, David Lindblom, Herbert Fritz, and William Weston. For the summer months, Wright also employed two servants, who came to him at the recommendation of a friend of his, who catered the opening of Wright's Midway Gardens in Chicago, which from what I saw is like an outdoor party Mm -hmm. dining concert venue. Yeah. The servants were husband and wife Julian and Gertrude Carlton. Julian was responsible for repairs and day-to-day maintenance of the Taliesin, while Gertrude was the in-house cook. On August 15th of 1914, Wright was in Chicago completing the Midway Gardens, and... Mama, Mama, I'm, I'm not sure. Martha, yeah, and her <laughs> I'm children. I'm sure about that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and her children, the five draftsmen, as well as William Weston's 13-year-old son Ernest, were all sitting down to enjoy a lunch made by Gertrude, Borthwick, her eight-year-old daughter Martha Jr., and 12-year-old John, decided to take their lunch on the patio due to the summer heat making the house. A bit unpleasant, which, for such a giant house, still no <laughs> air conditioning. Right. The five draftsmen and Ernest sat in the dining room of their living quarters. Julian Carlton served the meal and asked permission of William Weston to obtain a container of gasoline from the shed where the draftsmen kept their tools. Carlton explained that he needed the gas just to clean a few rugs. Standard practice. Which I... I guess it'll dissolve. I suppose, but then it would stink. Yeah. So I don't really understand that. Wash them and let them air dry for like a week. I don't understand that explanation. But I guess the draftsmen weren't familiar with rug cleanings. Probably not. They said, sure, man, you're the 
You're the maintenance guy. Weston granted Carlton access to the tools and proceeded to eat his lunch with the others. Carlton, however, was privy to some information that the others didn't think he would know. You see, in the days leading up to August 15th, Julian Carlton began exhibiting strange behavior. He'd become argumentative with Borthwick and the other employees, and even engaged Emil Brodell in a physical fight after the two had a heated exchange. Julian refused to carry out a task as instructed by Emil, who angrily called, called, called Carlton, who was of Caribbean descent, a, quote, black son of a bitch. Hmm. The fight was brief, but it didn't help Carlton's mental state. He had already been displaying paranoid behavior, staring out the window late at night, armed with a knife, as if he was afraid someone was going to harm Gertrude or himself in their sleep. Hmm. So he's, he's acting he's, a bit weird. Yeah. And now that he considered Brodell an enemy, Julian Carlton was able to put a face to his paranoid delusions. Yikes. Yes. Julian hatched a plan to get even with the people that he felt wronged him and to hear what he did. Please join us on the other side of this message from the National Investigative Training Academy. If you are looking for a career change or to expand your knowledge in an already established one, look no further than the National Investigative Training Academy. The National Investigative Training Academy, or NIDA, N-I-T-A, has well over 100 courses with 70 professional development ones alone. NIDA is constantly adding to their course catalog, and courses are focused on private investigation and security fields. Whether you would like to become a private investigator or you need continuing education for your investigative or security career, the National Investigative Training Academy is for you. All courses offered are 100% online and do at your own pace. Once completed, you will receive a certificate in that course. Sign up today at investigativeacademy.com. Make sure when you sign up for your courses, you mention we sent you there. We encourage you to get the best investigative and security training possible today. When you sign up, mention our brand ambassador code BA2367. That's BA2367. And you can find those courses at investigativeacademy.com. Look for links in our show notes as well. Wright and Borthwick were, of course, not pleased with Julian's behavior or his performance as a servant, and they had begun advertising in the newspaper for replacement. Somehow, Carlton discovered their job listing, and he knew that at any moment he and Gertrude could get the boot. Angry and paranoid, Julian insisted he would serve the lunch, and instructed Gertrude to go pack her things and get dressed. He told her they were going to catch a train to Chicago and find new employment there, robbing Borthwick of the opportunity to fire them. Mm. So to his wife, it sounds like we're sticking it yeah. to the boss. We're going to go ready. our own way. Yeah. But that's not exactly what the plan was. See, this turned out to be a ruse to get Gertrude out of the house. And with everyone busy enjoying their lunch... Julian Carlton retrieved the gasoline to clean the rugs, of course. Right. But he also picked up an axe and a small vial of something we'll mention later. He approached the main house, intent on revenge, especially for Emile Rodell. He encountered Mama Borthwick mm -hmm. and her children on the patio and swiftly bludgeoned the matriarch mistress to death as her children watched. Yikes. Little Martha attempted to run away, but she was quickly caught and killed after John had been dispatched as well. 
Mm. So all three are dead. Mm -hmm. Due to the sheer size of the home, the men inside eating their lunch never heard the children screaming. Had no idea. Yeah. Carlton soaked the bodies and the patio in gasoline and turned his attention to the dining room after the Borthwicks were set on fire. Ugh. Julian Carlton had locked the interior door to the dining room prior to the attack and soaked the exterior door in gasoline and set out on fire. He assumed the six men inside would be dead shortly. Without another avenue of escape, however, Herbert Fritz managed to break a window and leap out through the flames, and he broke his arm as he fell, but still managed to roll down a hill before he was badly burned. Hmm. So one guy got away, thinking quickly. <clears throat> but the rest of the men weren't so fortunate. Emile Brodel attempted to escape from the same window, but after noticing Fritz's escape, Carlton stood by waiting. He stuck, struck Brodel with the axe, instantly killing him as he tried to climb to safety. Hmm. And even though that was the main person he wanted to right. get, in for a penny, in for a pound. Right. William Weston was the next to attempt an escape, but he was met with two blows, which somehow he survived. Oof. Weston and Fritz were able to escape, reaching a neighboring residence to summon the sheriff and more citizens to help extinguish the now raging fire at Taliesin. Thomas Brunker, David Lindblom, and Ernest Weston were all struck as they came through the window with Lindblom initially surviving, but later succumbing to his injury on August 18th. Mm. Carlton figured he would be caught soon, thanks to Weston and Fritz making their escape, and he decided that rather than live with his deeds, he would take his own life. Carlton headed into the basement of the house as the fire raged, and he hid inside the furnace, which was of course not in use due to the summer heat. Inside the furnace, Carlton drank a vial of hydrochloric acid, which he took from the tool shed. Herbert Fritz with his broken arm, William Weston with his pair of axe wounds, and the bloodied and burned Lindblom, who is clinging to life, right. along with a group of good Samaritans, returned to Taliesin, even though the general yeah. public didn't, they had didn't a lot of, like it. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of scorn for the place. They all headed up there and were able to extinguish the flames, which had partially consumed the main residence. So it wasn't a total loss. Right. The, the house, at least. The house. The sheriff arrived and conducted a search of the grounds, locating Julian Carlton in the basement still alive, but with severe internal injuries from the acid. He was quickly arrested and charged the following day with the murder of Emile Brodel, whose murder was witnessed by Weston, who was actually alive to testify. Mm -hmm. So that one was the most clear cut. Yeah. Everything else would take a little bit of, you know, Testimony and right. inference from a jury, but we've got one guy who can say he, he at saw least that killed murder. this one. Yeah. <clears throat> In total, seven people were violently murdered by Julian Carlton, including three children. Gertrude Carlton was found still on the property, waiting for Julian to meet her before they set out for a new life in Chicago, and she was completely unaware of what he had done. Ugh. So, the, again, the property was big enough. I guess she was just sitting down the way a little bit. Yeah, didn't know. Claimed she had no idea. She was eventually released from police custody and hopped on a train to Chicago anyway and was never really heard from again. Hmm. Don't blame her. No. Yeah, she got out of there, probably had a new name and everything. Yep. 
word traveled quickly to Wright in Chicago and as well as to Edwin Cheney, Ma's, Mama Borthwick's former husband mm -hmm. and the father of John and Martha. Both men rushed to Taliesin <clears throat> to pick up the scraps of their lives. Edwin Cheney not only lost his wife to an affair, but in a matter of years his children were dead as well. Frank Lloyd Wright abandoned his first marriage and put up with years of slander to be with the woman he truly loved, and now he was alone again. Once again, the media had a field day with the massacre, often implying that it was Wright and Borthwick's debaucherous affair, which brought down God's wrath in the form of Carlton's insanity. Jeez. Yeah, it's a bit gross. Yeah. And they didn't have uh, very pleasant things to say about Carlton's race either, but... That's the uh, yeah. headlines of the Times, I guess. Mm -hmm. In a matter of weeks, it was evident the murder trial would not be necessary due to the damage Carlton caused himself with the acid. His stomach and esophagus were burned to the point that he was unable to eat. Despite medical efforts, Carlton eventually starved to death, refusing to give a motive or any other explanation about what he did to the residents of Taliesin. He mm. did plead not guilty, which is... Was it by reason of insanity? No, I, mean, I think he just said, I didn't do it. Geez. And then he said, well, why'd you do it? Didn't? Mm. What a... I'm not sad for the guy by any stretch, but no. what an awful way to die. Yeah. Starving to death because you can't eat because your insides are just melted. Ugh. I think he thought that was probably going to be a quick solution and a quick way out, and yeah. instead it just dragged it on. Even if he died quickly... You want to spend the last five to 20 minutes of your life screaming in pain and coughing no, up blood? But he Ugh. deserved it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he didn't choose an easier route right. for suicide. Borthwick's children were taken to Chicago to be buried, and Frank Lloyd Wright decided to bury Mama Borthwick at a church nearby. He did not hold a funeral, and he didn't place a headstone on her grave because he didn't want to be reminded of the tragedy. Hmm. He cut flowers from Taliesin's gardens and filled her casket with them. And once she was lowered into the ground, Wright filled the hole himself, scooping the dirt in by hand. Jeez. Yeah. So after a period of terrible grief, Wright rebuilt Taliesin, redubbed Taliesin II. In 1925, an electrical fire resulted in the second form of the manor being partially destroyed as well. Sounds like there's a curse. Well, it sounds. It kind of reminds me of like they, you know they're talking about making the second Titanic. Yeah. Uh -uh. Don't. Don't do it. Don't put that <laughs> juju on somebody. Yeah. However, in 1928, after the property was foreclosed on due to mounting debts, a divorce from his third wife, after the first wife granted a divorce, mm. well, second wife, but Borthwick yeah. would have been his second. Yes and a slump in his career, Wright was able to repurchase the land and began construction on Taliesin III, which still stands today in its final form of 37,000 square feet, 600 Jeez. acres. Yeah. Uh, since 1973, the house has been a National Historic Landmark that serves as an everlasting reminder of the love cottage that it once was. I don't think we need to visit that landmark. No. And check that one off the list. Yeah, I think that would be, I don't know, too much. That's a lot of negativity. Too many bad vibes. That's a lot of bad. Yeah. Huh. But 
It, but when we came across this case, I thought it was interesting because, as I mentioned in the first episode, I like his architecture. Yes. And I always have. I mean, since I was a little kid. But I never would have guessed yeah, that such a wild, you know, such a... A massacre. Yeah, massacre. At his, one of his homes. Right. That's surprising to me. And that's kind of why I wanted to cover it, too. It's... We like to cover cases that are the lesser known, mm-hmm. and this is one that I had never heard of, even knowing about the architect. Mm-hmm. And the whole affair did a lot to harm his reputation. Yeah. Which led to that slump in his career later on, after the second Taliesin burned down. Yeah. But apparently, uh, I believe it's the Grand Imperial Hotel in Tokyo. Mm. He built that. There was a terrible earthquake. And the building was, like, pristine. Everything yeah, else suffered terrible damage, but his hotel yeah. was exquisite. So well, that kind of put strapped the rocket to him yeah. again that this is the guy if you need something built. Right. Well, he had he had such a unique way of designing and engineering buildings. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just... That's why I like a lot of his architecture, because it's not only nice to look at mm-hmm. but it's very well done his uh early 20th century late 19th century stuff was referred to as his prairie school style mm-hmm. he had a style like of eras mm-hmm. but they say the changing point shifting from that to more of his kind of modern yeah his it's, uh the future modern like right the... <laughs> it's very simple it's yes. you know net it's like there's a lot of rock and stone and wood, and it's very naturally built. But the turning point between his old style and the stuff that he's more known for now was that. the death and the fire. Yeah. The loss of his mistress, mm-hmm. that kind of changed everything for him. Apparently, the grief was so bad, he was temporarily blind Oof. and weight loss and couldn't sleep. It was horrible, and once he finally got past that, rebuilt burned down, lost the land, bought mm-hmm. it back, rebuilt. He was a whole new man. <laughs> Yikes. And he would uh, often, they believe he used it as a seasonal residence from then mm-hmm. on, from like the 30s onward. Yeah. Hmm. That is the weird story <laughs> of Frank Lloyd Wright's mistress and several employees and children. And the house Taliesin. Yeah. We thank you for joining us. Please sign the crime scene log on your way out. Stay safe. And so...